Good morning and welcome once again to another beautiful Sunday and being able to gather in the Lord's house. And uh, so, as uh, we just talked about a little bit last week, as we start into a new year, we tend to kind of get revved up and we kind of have a, a blank canvas and a and a new opportunity to to do things, and we think about what we would like to get accomplished and what we want to change and how we want to move forward. And I was going back and reflecting on some of the stuff we've talked about through the past years, and uh, I guess one thing about about being a pastor is, is that you are never quite satisfied. You never feel like you've you've done enough, that you put enough out there, that you've represented. God to the fullest. At least that's the way I feel most times. And uh, so I was looking on that and looking about what we're going to talk about in the upcoming future. And uh, me and God got together and it's time for a series. We haven't ran a series in a while. And what we're going to do is, is as I look back at what we've talked about, they were just kind of small building blocks. And we got to start building on them to put together bigger pieces of God's picture. And we're living in strange times now. For us that's been around for a while, it's definitely different. We've seen morality fall. We've seen that things are being accepted that's never been accepted before. We see that Satan has a tight grasp on this world. We see that sin is running rampant. And not only that, it's being looked at as what is normal, what is okay. So how do we combat this as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, as true believers? Many of us would have to say, well, it's just the end time. We just have to wait for Jesus to come back. And God has given us time. And it's one of our most precious things that we have. And something that we can't replace, we can't get more of. And something that we have to make the most of. God doesn't want us simply to sit back and wait for Jesus' return. We've been expecting Jesus' return ever since he left. And none of us know the time that he is coming back. And we have to make the best of every moment that we have until he does. We all have work to do. We are God's hands and feet. We are his representatives here. There are many souls that still need to be saved. We need to have the best possible relationship with God that we can. We need to work on that daily, not only for ourselves, but as representatives of the kingdom of heaven, showing others what it's like to have a personal relationship with God. And many of you listening today might say, well, yes, I've been doing that. That's my goal each and every day. But have you? And are you doing it in a correct way. You know, I've talked about many times in this past year that we have to use the Word of God as a filter. And we have to run everything that we do through it. 
And we have to do it without bias. We can't come in with our minds made up and try to look and try to find verses and twist them around to make them fit what we already think. No, we have to go in with an open mind and see what God is telling us. Because that is what's important. It does no good to twist the word around. It does no good to try to, to prove our ideology through the word with biased eyes. We have to see what God has for us. And the reason is God has purpose with everything that he does. God has purpose. And it's for us. And throughout the years, throughout our teachings, we tend to not understand many times what God's purpose is because we haven't looked into it. Or we have a, a false ideology that we've been taught wrong. And when we, furthermore, we go out and we teach wrong. Another thing we've talked about is how easy it is now for people to be able to address the world, the world, that they can have a big audience and people will listen to them. And through no real credibility, we can build a, a popularity and a following and people hang on every word. If you're a celebrity, if you're someone of power, someone of wealth, people are going to listen to you just because of these qualifications without having any kind of real qualifications at all. And all we have to do is make it sound good. And we will follow along. And not only that, we will repeat it and we'll send it out into the world for everyone to hear. And because of this, I have heard many many false teachings that are downright lies, downright against what the Word of God tells us. And sometimes it's because someone has a point they want to make. They have some kind of motivation behind of saying what they're going, we're saying. They're trying to use God to prove their point. They're trying to put more power and emphasis about what they want to do. And sometimes it's simply just ignorance. It's because we don't know any better. Look how many things they are that we think come from the Word of God, but really come from somewhere else. We can do a whole lesson on it. We see things and it sounds like it's Scripture, but it's really not. And these things aren't done maliciously. It's just something that motivated somebody, something that sounded good, and they put it out there, and somehow or another, our brains filled in the blanks and connected it to the Word. So we have to be able to decipher all of these things. What is someone that's trying to prove a point? What is something that's just not so? Most importantly, out of all of this, we have to see God's true purpose. We need to learn who he is. And I want you to think about that for a minute, for the purpose of faith. We're supposed to give our hearts 100% to Jesus. 
We're supposed to turn ourselves over to God. Jesus is going to buy us back. We have to turn ourselves over to him. For everything to work, for us to have our prayers answered, our needs met, to be able to rely on God, we have to have faith. And many of us struggle with that. We don't have enough faith. But one reason is, is that we don't fully trust God. And why don't we fully trust God? Because we don't fully understand him. We don't know who he is. We don't know how he operates. But it's not a secret. It's really not a secret. He has told us everything that we need to know in his word. What has happened is we've had so many things. We have Satan. We have the world. We have people that's tried to to modify and shape who God is. So we have to forget about all that. Forget about the worldview of God. Forget about Satan's view of God. Forget about man's view of God and look at God for who he is. And that's the introduction to our, our series today. God's purpose. And uh, to start off with, we're going to look about one of our interactions that we have with God. Many times life can be difficult. We're faced with many trials, tribulations, We have our ups and we also have many, many downs. We have many things that come against us. And a while back, we talked about how God uses certain ones of these things and allows us to allow him to help us through them to mold us, to shape us, to make us stronger and to increase our faith. But oftentimes, people believe that God is punishing us. And how can we fully give ourselves to someone that we feel has this ability to just punish at random? So what we have to do is is look at these situations and we have to break down these, these myths and this wrong ideology and show you truly true God is. Psalms 25 and 8. And this is uh, David that penned this, this poem. And uh, he, uh, he's going to be a subject for us today. And uh, we're going to look at some of his thoughts, and we're going to talk about him just a little bit. David's one of my favorite Bible people. There's so many qualities about him that it makes him such an interesting person. How he came from the bottom, rose to king. But yet, even with a heart full of God, he still made mistakes. But yet, he was able to overcome. He had redemption. He went through the full gamut with God. He's very relatable. Well, let's look at Psalms 25 and 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he will teach sinners in the way. The meek he will guide in the judgment and the meek he will teach his way. 
all of the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. As such, keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, please pardon my inequality, for it is great. For what is a man that feareth the Lord? He shall teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease. His seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord that he them, with them that fear him, he will show them his covenant. Many people think that the Lord punishes us. So let's, let's just go back. We'll go back to, to the Old Testament. We'll go back to, to David before, before Jesus. And um, I'm not going to go into all, all the verses because I've been ate up quite a bunch of time with this introduction today. So we're just going to give you an overview of it. But David rose to, to power. He became the king. And then during his tenure as king, he had a, a transgression. He was supposed to have been out at war, and he wasn't. He was up on his rooftop, and he was looking across. He was at the highest elevation point, and he's watching this woman take a bath across the, the way. And she was a married woman, Bathsheba. And he had his men go and, and to fetch her because he wanted her for himself. And there was a lot of complications with this because she was already a married woman. So he, through his kingly power, made arrangements that caused the demise of her husband to be able to, to free her up, to be able to take her as his own. And then he was able to, to, to wed her, and they, they had a child together. And then in 2 Samuel 12, Nathan comes to rebuke David. Because David has taken his eyes off God, and he had put everything into this situation, what he was in. And he was only concerned about himself and what he was receiving, not what was right and wrong, just his pleasure. And so he got rebuked and he got told how what he was doing was wrong in all the different ways and what was going to happen because of this. And his son that he had became ill and died. He felt great grief from this loss. And there was other things that, that went along with it other than this grief. He, he lost honor. He lost respect. And he was troubled throughout his reign from his other children and other things. And it all stemmed from this. Now, God puts us back on track. This was a, a godly person. It said that David had a heart for God. 
So sometimes God has to give us some correction. But oftentimes that we think that things that we have mishaps in life is God. And then we can't even understand what we did to cause such things. Now, first of all, I'm sure that there's some of you out there listening that think that there is no wrong done by you. But the fact is that each and every one of us are sinners. Romans tells us, no, there is not one righteous. No, not one. None of us are without sin. Even once we accept Jesus, we take him, we can take the, the splash in the, in the Duncan booth back there, we can do all these things, it's not going to erase the fact that we are sinners. And that Jesus paid the price not only for our past transgressions, our current transgressions, but also our future transgressions. Because no matter how hard we try, no matter where our walk is with God, there are going to be times that the sinful flesh that we are in, the impact of this sinful world that we live in, is going to get a hold of us, and we are going to make sinful mistakes. That is a fact and part of being human. It is up to us to seek Forgiveness, repent, to realize our errors, and to work with God to not let these transgressions keep happening. It's not a, a free pass. You know, some people think that, oh, I'm forgiven now, I'm covered with the blood, so every mistake I make is forgiven. That's not the attitude that we are to partake of. It is to that we are to strive to be more like Jesus. We are to strive not to sin. But when we do fall, when we do make a mistake, God's got our backs. He has forgiven us and he is helping us to move forward. If we start a diet and we eat Exactly the same as we did before we started the diet. We still eat the cookies, we eat the cakes and the snacks. We're not accomplishing anything. And that's the example of using our forgiveness as a free pass. But every once in a while, we might slip up and partake of something that's not quite to our diet plan. And that's still us slipping a little bit, but still moving in that positive direction. And God's here to help us through that. And then we think that everything is a, is a cause and effect. You know, we was going uh, through, through a, a, a theories and we have these uh, big concerns about what's happened in the past. You know, when we start taking down statues and taking out things from history books of certain events because it was not nice. You know, it might have evolved slavery. It might have evolved racism. It might have evolved sexism or any of these things that we are not fond of. 
And there's been this movement now that we need to pay for these past transgressions, even though that it has nothing to do with the people that receives the payment or nothing to do for the people that have to pay because this happened generations ago, that we need to, to make some amends for these things. And that doesn't make sense because the person paying is not the one that committed the offense. And the person that's receiving is not the person that had the offense made to them. It's, there's, no, there's no purpose in it. And we think like this sometimes when it comes to God. You know, we're not going to have our car not start and miss an appointment because we stepped on someone's toe. See, if God's going to, to teach us, there's got to be some purpose in it. God's not going to just randomly strike you down with something and you not know what the purpose of it is or connect it with something that's totally unrelated. God's not random. You know, if it worked that way, there would be a whole lot less evil in the world. If every time somebody does something bad, if something bad happened to them in return, because that's how God worked, then we would have a lot less evil happening because people would, would make that connection and they wouldn't want it to be. But we have free will. And God gives us the choice to be able to do what we want to do without him imposing things on us. And many of the evilness that goes on has no influence from God whatsoever because they push him away. God is not their heavenly father. They have nothing to do with Jesus. They are unbelievers and under the influence of Satan. And God has to let these things play out. They have to come to him on their own. God does not force anything upon us. But when we are believers, when we take God as our heavenly father, he does correct. So we go back, let's go back to this, this story with David. Now, what happened here? We had the prophet come and he told him all these things and he put the information into David's head. And then David felt a great loss. But what's the connection here? David took a life. And whether he held the knife or did it indirectly, all of his actions led up to taking a life. Not only that, he, he broke up a marriage. He changed the direction of a family line. He did all of these things. And it was because of his action. He was a godly man. God knew his heart, and he just had to get him back on course. He was a vessel and a tool for God. He just had to get him back on course. So David felt lost. He was responsible for this second loss. And that's something else that he had to 
live with and had to grieve. And the possibility of what this child may or may not have become. And many people don't like this image of God that he done this thing, that he used this innocent child to be able to teach David. Now, if God had simply struck down David, nothing would have been accomplished. He would not have learned a lesson. He would not turned around. He would not changed. And he would not been able to go on and do the other things he did after these events in life. With this child, he was taken instantly into the arms of God. He was saved from this world. And also, we know that God knows the beginning from the end. We know that David had quite a few problems with his children. And God knew exactly how each and every one of these stories were going to play out. And we have to wonder how this one was going to turn out. How that was going to affect the future and the future David. God does everything with purpose. He had a a reason and he had his justification and it was all for good. And then David went through his period of grief and he has all these things now that he has to carry with him that becomes part of him and part of his decision-making process and a part of who he is. And to further show the goodness of God, to show God's power and show that he can take anything and he can use it and he can manifest it and he can make it for his good, he did just that. You have to see the precision the vision and the direction of God in all this. Because, you know, he never took this woman, this prize, this object that he went to such great lengths to obtain, that he crossed lines of sin to obtain. You know, he didn't take that. And it seems like that would have been the, been the thing to do. And I don't know what her feelings was because the word doesn't, doesn't say a whole lot about it. But I never really seen too much where she had any complaints or she had any issue. You know, she just seemed to go along with everything. So it would have been easy to to justify her demise, so to speak. But God allowed this union. And from that, 
we got Solomon. He got the second son that went on to do great things. The one that he could be proud of. The one that was justified. The one that was a gift. So, that's how, that's how things worked before Jesus. So, Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus goes up on that cross and he dies for our sins. He is covered, all of us, in his blood. And that saved us from God's wrath. Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. During the Old Testament, we'd have to, for Jesus, we'd have to realize our sins. We'd have to make amends. We'd have to build an altar. We'd have to make sacrifices. We'd have to seek our, our retribution through God through these means. And God said, there's a better way. And he sent Jesus. And we're covered by his blood. God can't look upon sin. God has a, a wrath for sin. God has to deal with sin. And we're all sin. But God loves us. So we have this situation now that we have to, to deal with. So what we do is we send Jesus. Jesus covers us in his blood. So when God looks upon us, he don't see that sin anymore. He don't have those feelings of wrath. He sees Jesus. And Jesus took that wrath. Jesus took that punishment for all sin of all mankind. I've had someone say, well, I feel like I'm being punished by God. And you can't be. You can't be a born-again believer. You can't be covered by the blood of Jesus and be punished by God. It doesn't work that way. Now, there's other situations that might seem like this might be the case. And we talked about, okay, correction. Does God still give us correction? Yes, of course he does. He is our heavenly father. But we have to look at that. And when we say heavenly father, look how that works. If your child is going to touch a hot burner, you're going to tell them no. And if they don't listen, you might give them a little 
swat on the hand or a swat on the butt to get them away from that stove because that's going to be a whole lot less impactful than touching that hot burner. But we see the correlation there that it's the, the burner, it's that stove and you touching it is the issue. You don't walk into your living room and find a puddle that the dog made three hours ago and then go swat the dog on the newspaper when he's playing out in the yard. Because the dog has no idea what he did wrong. The dog cannot correlate that puddle and this correction that is happening. You have to make the correction with the problem. So we have to ask ourselves, if we're going through a situation and we look back at our recent sin playlist, are there any correlation? And many times there won't be. God's going to be direct with us and, and show us. You know, and many times it's not nothing drastic. It means maybe that you you feel bad, you have guilt, you have some conviction that's happening on the inside. That's part of, of God's correction. And many times when we feel these things, it's not because of God at all. You know, most of the, the rules and laws and regulations we have today is because things happened. And a lot of times it's because someone just particularly doesn't like something. There was a, a person that was talking about marijuana. Here's an example. And they were calling it the devil's plant. The devil's plant. And that in her mind, or their mind, that the, this was the work of the devil. But you know, in reality, that the devil can't create anything. That each and everything that we have here on this earth was put here by God. He made the trees. He made the flowers. He made the birds and the animals. And he made that little plant too. It's what we, we do with these things that become the problem. That's the sin. We try to blame Satan that he done something, and in reality, it's us. People talk about drinking as well. Wine is a alcoholic beverage. If I was to take and replace the communion juice with actual wine, some people might get offended by that. But in reality, 
Jesus turned water into wine. He partake at their dinners, at their weddings. It's when you do something to excess, when you become drunk. And the word even tells us that. When we do to excess, we become drunks. We do too much. We use things improperly. And anything can be used or abused or done improperly. We get these worldly ideas. We have people that have certain needs. You know, you may see one, somebody park in a, in a handicapped spot and they have their little placard. They have everything they're supposed to have. They are legit and legal. But you may not see anything on the outside that justifies this in your mind. You don't see a missing limb. You don't see a, a, a walking device or anything like that. And you may become offended about it. I've seen people even attack people and argue with them about what is your justification. I don't know why today in this world that everyone thinks they have a justification to be able to police everyone else. And another example is, is that people were, were smoking in a designated area and someone was offended by that. But yet, they were not doing anything wrong. They were in their designated area. They were doing something that was legal. But yet, people get offended. And when the right offended person with the right clout and ability, they can make changes to make their belief system well known and the rule of the land. But many times, this is not God's vision. And that's one thing that we have to, to look at and to understand. And we're going to explore more because we have what the world says, we have what we think, and then we have what is the truth. And many of us, including Christians, including believers, have gotten it wrong because we've been taught wrong, we've comprehended it wrong, and we haven't taken the time to really learn what the truth is. You know, there's no there's no test on this. There's no, you know, if you gotta you gotta take a test to get your driver's license, you gotta, you know, take your test to get through school to be able to earn your degrees and these things like that. You have tests for nursing, tests for police administration. You have all these different things you have to do to be able to accomplish these things. But when it comes to the Word of God, you can just believe whatever you want. There's nothing to prove right or wrong. And if you got someone to stand up here and he's talking a good game and he's uh, making things make sense and you just go along with it. And then we just keep spreading it and it keeps... You know, it seems like the more we say something, we keep saying it and get enough of people to believe it, we turn it into a truth, even when it's not. We have to 
break through and we have to learn what the truth is. And we also have to be willing to accept that, hey, I might have that wrong. And it don't matter how old you are, how long you've been doing this, how long you've been in church. Well, I've been in church for 40 years. You still can be wrong. You still can be taught wrong. You still can have it the wrong way. I learn new stuff each and every day. God opens up and reveals more and more to me. And sometimes I have to back up and go again because I didn't get it right the first time. But I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to tell you all that because it is a work in progress. It's not something that we gain instantly. It's something that we develop over time. We are building a relationship, and that's something that doesn't happen immediately. It's something that we have to work with, work towards, and build upon. And we're going to stop with this today, and we're going to keep moving on. We're going to look at another example tomorrow of how we get, or next Sunday, as we get things wrong, how we got God's image twisted and his purpose twisted. And we need to look at at the truths. And you know, because when we have it wrong and we have the black and white version of what, this is what the world says, this is what the word says, and it don't line up whatsoever, and we don't understand what God's purpose is with it, we just think God's being mean. We just think God's being a, a tyrant and he's trying to make us do certain things because that's the way he wants it. And in reality, we just don't understand what his purpose is. Everything he does has purpose.